0: Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at Earsports.com, part of the 247sports.com network. I am Mike Casaza. Today is Wednesday, October 16th, and they are still going to go through with the football game Saturday. At number five, Oklahoma, West Virginia will make the trip. um, Decided underdog, generational underdog maybe, and certainly shorthanded. The schedule is unrelenting, and this is probably the hardest part of it. And they're not dealing with a clenched fist here. So it's going to be difficult for reasons we will explain and reasons that Neil Brown revealed Tuesday during his press conference. And here to help me right now is Chris Anderson, healthy and ready to finish year.
1: I am one of the few, but I am one of the ready.
0: Does this remind you of any time in the past covering West Virginia? I can remember... In the 2016, oh 15 season, 2015, they went through an awful October and started losing people left and right. And I can remember in 2013, they were without a number of starters by the end of the season. And this just seems like the intersection of those two seasons. Uh,
1: the first thing that popped in my mind was 2013, because um, that was. Just brutal. I uh, felt like guys are going out every other week and, and a couple at a time, just just like this season. I mean, I feel like every week we're having a podcast and we're leading it off with personnel problems. But what can you do? That's just where it's leading us
0: right now. It's unfortunate because there are many more stories to cover with this team. It's kind of an interesting situation where they're 500 and are probably going to be below 500 um, when they wake up Sunday morning. I'm sorry. That's probably true. And they haven't been blown out or embarrassed on the way to one-sided losses the previous two games, and I wonder if like this is bending and bending and bending. This is kind of like a a bridge made out of toothpicks here, like one of those old elementary school projects you would do. And I don't know how much weight it's going to hold, and Saturday is going to leave a mark. I, I just think about 125 other teams you would rather play than Oklahoma on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think when we talked after the game on Saturday night, I said the time when I'm really going to be watching this team, really seeing what this coaching staff can do, is going to be that week after Oklahoma, because I think we all expect um, not the best on Saturday, um, maybe quite ugly. And if that happens, that's three straight losses with two, with kind of a heartbreaker, uh, not uh, a little bit of a disappointing finish for the next one, and then just a soul-crushing blowout if that, if that happens. And you're losing a starter a week, two starters a week along the way. And then you got a bye week before a short week at an undefeated Baylor team. What's going to be the feeling around that locker room?
0: Yeah, and that's kind of like a few people I asked today and I asked their questions. And we'll, we'll get to some of this, but we're kind of having them off-the-board conversations with a number of people close to the program in the past week for oh take a guess why <laughs> and and you get the idea that it's there I don't think it's teetering and I don't want to say that and every player I talked to of course said that but there's just a lot of looking around right now because there are a lot of people who who aren't going to be here next year whether they're seniors or they're on the way out and there are a lot of people who weren't here last year and are fresh out of high school or junior college or they redshirt and they really weren't You know, in the old foxhole, like we'd like to say, and they're looking around being like, "Okay, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. And, you know, there's not a lot of of like figureheads around there who are accustomed to this or who are accustomed to leadership spots. I know that's kind of cliche and and kind of like lame explanation, but it really does fall on a coaching staff that hasn't held hands and led the way in a situation like this. So it's really interesting to watch. And that's why I kind of say there's many more things to talk about. But unfortunately injuries and player defections are part of it. And I think it's not that like you have to talk about who's hurt and who's starting. Um, Coaches hate to talk about that, but like right now who was on the field, not necessarily why they're not in the field, but who was on the field and who's available is a really big part of this because they're going up against again, one of the best rosters in college football fair.
1: Um, I would say so. I think, uh, You know, from a talent perspective, at least as far as the recruiting rankings go and how they have played out, um, they got to be up there. I'm actually pulling it up as we speak, uh, because 24-7 sports does have a the team talent composite where they take the rankings of the players on the current roster and looks at their recruiting rankings as they came to the team. Oklahoma's number eight uh, on that. And I'd say they're even higher than that. I mean, because above them is is a team like Florida State, who is not doing so hot this year. Above them is Texas, a team they just beat in a game that was a ten point game, but never really felt like the Longhorns were going to, you know, really pull the upset. So, this is a talented team, and West Virginia's down, you know, twenty scholarships uh, from the eighty five total they're allowed. It's going to be a rough one.
0: Is that number right?
1: Twenty. We got to be close. Uh, didn't what was our number to start the year? I felt like it was around
0: 78, 79, low, right?
1: Seventy-eight, seventy-nine, and then injuries, more departures since then. So we got to be below seventy at this point. I have I'm, to take
0: a look at that. I'm thinking back to the 2013 season, and when they went to Baylor and almost gave up 80 points, and that team was wheezing along and it was really hard. Um this kind of reminds me of that. And again, I think they played Baylor in October in that really bad October stretch in two thousand and fifteen. And I wanna say they almost gave up eighty again. I don't think they got in the seventies, but like it was pretty it was pretty close. Um and they just had a hard time getting through the month and everything. Um typically the season will take a toll later than this. And this is kinda happening right now. And like I think we're gonna talk and write and read a lot of with reverence this week about Oklahoma. And I, I don't necessarily mean when I say leave a mark that their offense is so good that they're just going to smoke West Virginia. What I mean is that like the way they play offense, um, they're going to really challenge this depleted secondary and they're going to run the ball in, in creative ways where I mean, they, they pull their garden tackle on counter plays and they blow people out at the line of scrimmage. And that's how their running backs get nine yards to carry. And then their defense is just kind of, missiles out there now and i asked matt Moore today the offensive coordinator excuse me yesterday i asked matt Moore during the availability you know how does a team get nine sacks because oklahoma sacked texas nine times last week um and his explanation kind of read exactly as the script of how west virginia is going to have to play and and like that's not a good sign so all, all due respect to the talent offense and and whatever matchup advantage, disadvantage, you think it's there. I don't think that's necessarily what we're talking about here when we say it's going to take a toll. It's just that like it's a healthy team that's physical and and plays a strong, venerable brand of football. And for various reasons right now, West Virginia is not there. Um you wrote yesterday, Chris, immediately after this news about the deficiency West Virginia has on the roster. Walk us through that.
1: Well I just got to thinking with with Cowan being announced as injured and out and Tevin Bush uh you know being announced as Transferring, oh, really? the transfer portal, yeah, who knew? Uh, who knew that a week ago Strange. and thought about reporting it and checked it with the school? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, it that was all I thought it was Tevin Bush was listed as a starter to begin the year. Uh, Cowan was supposed to be the starter at Bandit, uh, you know, going back to the spring. And it, it West Virginia is not just having injuries, they're having injuries to starters. And, and I went back and looked and compared it to. Uh, The 23 guys that are listed as a starter. Yes, there's only 22, but West Virginia lists four receivers and and a tight end. So it's 12 on their offensive depth chart uh, instead of 11. And, And with that, 13 of the guys who were on a spring depth chart that were working as first teamers for West Virginia are either no longer with the program, injured for the rest of the season, injured for this weekend, suspended, or not starting, something. And that, losing 13 starters like from year to year is debilitating, like to graduation and the NFL. But when you're losing 13 starters from the spring to the fall, to the middle of the fall, that's going to crush your program. Not not long, maybe not long-term, but it's going to crush that season. That is, you cannot come over that.
0: The the concern now is that second layer, which is gonna be out there and how ready are they? Like how long do backups or how long are the guys who are still standing, how do they last? And I'm not saying this team is cursed and it's gonna happen, but like you start to look at how concerned they are about snap counts and the accumulation of, of reps. They're they're kinda of concerned about things and that's expedited when you're talking about freshmen. And they're playing true freshmen, not so much on offense but on defense and you know, they'll be leaning on you know, three maybe four true freshmen on uh, on Saturday. Chris, what do you think? What do you hear about two starters who are integral to whatever they do on offense and defense on Saturday? Uh, quarterback Austin Kendall, cornerback Keith Washington.
1: Um, by the sounds of it, uh, at least with Kendall, I don't see how he plays Saturday. I mean, Brown was very, very clear that he has to be 100%. And he kept stressing that, stressing that, stressing that. And it doesn't sound like he's there. If he's not there, you know, Monday, Tuesday, at what point is he going to be slinging the ball around before the team travels on Friday? Um, and what, what do they do, walk through on Thursday too? Or is it walk through Friday and then leave? But it it sounds like I would assume at this point, if I were a betting man, I would have bet that Jack Allison's going to be starting a quarterback. And Keith Washington, he said "It's – I'm a little more torn on Keith Washington. I'd say he's closer to 50-50, but still, that's – if he's not out there, West Virginia's starting two true freshman cornerbacks against the best offense, maybe statistically, maybe ever. Uh, And (laughs) when I say that, I know it sounds like hyperbole, but when I'm saying that, I'm basing this off of um, their – yards per play stat of 9.56 yards per play as over a yard has a yard and a half greater than the number two team in the country Alabama and is greater than any other team in history if they can keep that pace off obviously it's still only halfway through the year but that is an absurd number not great no <laughs>
0: um I'm, I'm just curious about the the situation with Kendall and I think it's again Everybody said, oh, he'll be ready by Saturday. They have a week to get him ready. They don't. They have really Sunday, Monday to get him ready, and they want him to practice on Tuesday. Uh, I will try to get information to see if he did practice last night. We'll see. But they really go Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, they kind of scale it down. Um, It's still three throwing days, so he's going to have to be prepared and ready to go. We'll see. It did sound like that. They had a plan for, I don't think – Allison. I think they have a plan for using Allison and Lowe. Um Washington's intriguing because he was in uniform. Um I think he I think he perked up a little bit when Hakeem Bailey tried to knock either himself or the other person out during Saturday's game, but they he was not gonna go. He couldn't make it through warm-ups. But probably more optimistic there. You're still gonna have to play Fortune or Mayo because Bailey is suspended for the first half. But yeah, not a full deck here. And then of course the other I don't know. Necessity is to run the ball against Oklahoma. Play keep away a little bit, they can, they can, you know, score fewer points. If you have the ball more, you might have to do that running. They're not going to have Martell Petaway. I would keep an eye to see if he even travels. Uh, Tevin Bush, obviously not there. And you think about it, Petaway was your one, a, you know, he was an or starter. He's no longer there. Bush was your offensive player. Of the game in the first week of the season. And, and it has been a precipitous fall for him. But uh, I do think that they've known both. These are coming. Um, Bailey's been, excuse me, Bushman bouncing around, and like, again, this is just a rehash. We, we had heard he was redshirting and that there would be um, an exit and then probably cite a hardship to get eligibility wherever he goes if he doesn't graduate in time. I'm not sure he can graduate and he's just a true junior. But um, that's pretty much what Neil Brown said today. He said he's had a hard year. And there are some personal factors involved that are personal, but if you followed him on Twitter or Instagram or wherever it was, you probably have an idea. Um, and he wants to go closer to home, and that's probably something that he can do, and I don't think West Virginia will stand in the way. And to get a waiver, you have to have your former school support your application. So that sounds good. Um, but Petaway is getting scout team snaps, and um, seems like he's going to take a knee this season. And I just don't see a situation where he's back, because even if McCoy is graduating, you still have Letty Brown back. They're really high on Tony Mathis. He's the second or third running back again, right?
1: Yeah, maybe. And then you also have Alex Sinkfield, who for two parts of this conversation here, one would be back next year, uh, presumably. And also we're talking about running the ball this weekend. He's hurt, too. So who's to say he's going to be back and healthy unless you heard something last night during uh, media availability. But he left the game, didn't finish it um, against Iowa State. So if he's out, that leaves McCoy and Letty Brown. And do you travel Tony Mathis for, you know, one of his four, uh, one of his four games to try to keep his redshirt, or do you just kind of run Lorenzo Dor out there, who I think you had posted on the board the other day that he was also a little banged up, so maybe not him
0: either. Yeah, they're they're kind of walking wounded there. I, I didn't know this, but Mathis had surgery. I'm I'm thinking it was definitely an injury, um, and it's just coming back, and he's been getting a lot of those mo- <clears throat> excuse me those Monday Night Football reps, which are for guys who aren't playing. They're red shirts and scout team players and he's been getting uh, a heavy dose and they're trying to trying to get him in and get him ready to go. And beyond that, um, who's that third running back right now? Um, is it a, a gimpy sinkfield? Is it you know a walk on indoor? Is it a redshirt for excuse me a true freshman who's red redshirting Antonio Mathis who really doesn't even have a lot of practice reps? Um, ideally you don't wanna get down to needing your third running back, even if you like to use him. Um, but at the rate West Virginia's going <laughs> They might want to like keep that in consideration. I'll tell you what, our podcast for a travel roster is going to be <laughs> wild if we did it on Saturday morning, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, is there a someone on either side of the ball that you wish you could give some sort of elixir and have them ready? A quarterback, I think, would be your obvious one, and cornerback would be your obvious one. We've talked about them. They might play, but somebody who is definitely not playing – Offense or defense, you could have back.
1: Mm. Um, is it, man, for me, would it be Josh Sills? Has to be, right? Like, yeah, I would think so because I think that that boosts the offensive line as a whole. That helps boost the run game. Um, it, it affects so many different spots. I think it's if you could have Josh Sills back, that would help solve a, more problems than s- some other um, re additions would.
0: Yeah, and I think it's as long ago we forget about it, but it'd be really nice to have Dariq Pitts and um, Kenny Robinson. Kenny Robinson. I think that would help, yeah. too. Receiver, I don't know. I think they're okay at receiver. There's talent there. It's just that that passing game is kind of stuck for various reasons, including the running game. But maybe the running game gets on track. If Josh Shills is around and blocking people, and then all of a sudden you can pass better. But but who knows? Let's, um, you want to talk about some good news? Go for it. There were some players who, who did some good things, and, and we highlighted this in our three things piece, and I believe in some of your writing since the game, and then in the film piece on Tuesday morning. There, there is some silver lining here. This is not, it's not an 0-16 that's going to finish 0-12. There's some good things happening, and you're seeing young people play. Uh, there, there are parts of the offense and defense and individuals that are standing out, and I think if you, if you look around, um, it was probably really good to see Josh Chandler play really well again uh, and then also get shouted out by Neil Brown for saying, Hey, good job uh, to, I want to call him to Corey Turner. That's not his name. Nick Troy fortune uh, started, played really well, competed, got Mm -hmm. better as the game Mm -hmm. went on. Um, I think there's things to feel good about. Conversely, you know, that offensive line had its hands full, but Oklahoma is not going to be quite as intimidating after seeing Texas and Iowa state back to back. So guys like Mays, and, Gmitter, and if we're being honest, even Barrett are probably going to be a little bit more accustomed to it. There's it's not a, a burst balloon right now, right?
1: No, I think uh, Brown touched on it a good bit when he went through his uh, press conference on Tuesday. You know, obviously over the years and, and for a lot of schools, a lot of teams, a lot of coaching staffs. When your team loses, they don't really hand out player of the games or you know position player MVPs and whatnot. But he still went through and kind of touched on it. And as you mentioned, Josh Chandler, he said had his best game of the year. Uh, Ruben Jones on defensive end, best game of the year. Shouted out Nick Troy Fortune. Um, shouted out Colt McKivitz for his play. So I think there are some positives here. I think there are some good young players. Obviously, they're getting a lot of reps. They're playing well not just well because of their they're a freshman uh not relative to them being a freshman but just in general they're just playing well now are they playing you know top of the big all big 12 conference kind of players no of course not but it's showing a lot of promise for the future and the coaches are seeing that and i think they're kind of experimenting a little bit i I like the idea of limiting josh chandler snaps uh that they were talking about to try to get him kind of full go for the time that he's out there that seemed to help and, and to see guys like fortune just kind of have to get thrown into the fire against some of the best uh, receivers in the league the last couple weeks. And and again, probably this week. So it's good for the future of the program. And maybe even when I say future, like, you know, two or three games down the road, not necessarily two or three seasons.
0: I, uh, I was surprised um, by the defense and and the trouble it had with, just the simple mesh stuff, which is a pretty common concept in, in air raid offenses, and, and Iowa State isn't even an air raid offense, really, uh, but it had a lot of that stuff, and that stuff's kind of baked into every offense now, but, um, you know, middle linebackers and those edge players, the 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 will and the spear, trying to cover those crossing routes were, were troublesome, and I think that, that caused some, some back-end issues that were bad, but, like, I, if you look at the way Fortune played, and Kerry Martin didn't play a lot, but played re- pretty well, um, Mayo didn't really have any egregious errors he got hung out to dry on a touchdown pass but you know for first action that's good and like their first is out of the way now and if you need them hey great Uh, the more i think about their defensive line the more i think about how good it could be next year because you'll lose reese donahue who by the way was really good uh saturday um well, probably is like as as flashy as he has been for a guy who we just say just kind of does his thing and just makes steady plays and doesn't do flashy stuff. He was pretty good, and made some flashy plays. But you lose him, but you're going to have Stills. It sounds like they really like Jalen Thornton, and they can't wait to get him on the field at the end of the season. Uh, your nose guard situation is good to go next year, and then your ends. You're going to have Pooler and Austin back. All those guys are going to be useless for a second year. That could be a real bright spot next year. Yeah,
1: and and. So with Donnie Hughes gone, Jones is gone, but you got all those guys coming back. The guys that are redshirt and that'll be back, and that you just mentioned, and the staff's kind of recruiting very well along that position uh, with a guy like Linnell Carr, who is kind of that bandit defensive end hybrid, and they're even targeting a couple JUCO guys. One just went out to Yaya Diaby, I believe is how you pronounce his name,
0: Mm.
1: Yaya Diaby, Um, and. He's kind of blowing up over at Georgia Military College. West Virginia hopped in with him, offered him, called him, offered him, and he's already set up an official visit. So West Virginia, they're really trying. I think they feel that that's a strength, and instead of kind of resting on that, they're trying to continue to build it, which is a good sign.
0: Um let's stick with that because this is the one position that you and I have talked about. A lot of fans have talked about because it might get the biggest boost, makeover, fresh coat of paint, whatever in recruiting. Because if you're a true freshman, you're probably going to play definitely next year. And you're going to play period because they're going to roll nine or 10 guys in there. So it might not be your time quote unquote, but you're still going to be like the third guy, the second guy. Um, Do you think they still have Aaron Lewis on speed dial?
1: I don't know. I, uh, it, it's, it's funny just because Michigan, I think is so like, teetering. Well, not Michigan, right? not Michigan. Yeah. But Jim Harbaugh is teetering. Let's not say Michigan's teetering. Cause I think Michigan's going to be Michigan for as long as, as long as Michigan's around, but Jim Harbaugh might be teetering. And just the way that went down was so bizarre. Um, it, although I feel like he's solid there, so but they might still touch base. Chad Scott is; it was the lead recruiter for that area. Area he's extremely personable. Had a, a very good relationship with Lewis. Now I can't speak to what it is now after that, because I can say that they. I don't want to say they were surprised by the fact that he visited Michigan and flipped his commitment during the visit, but they were okay, I was going to say led to believe, but I, I guess there's no point in hiding. They were told directly by Lewis that he was not doing that. He was not going on any other visits. And he did, like a week later. Um, now, when you're recruiting at the college level and you're dealing with high school kids, you have to have, um, is it thick skin? You have to be able to bounce back. You have to You have to be able to kind of absorb that and look past it and move forward and try to continue to build relationships. But I can see where that kind of, and, you know, mistrust can cause an issue. So I, I don't know what West Virginia might do with him, but they do have other targets and, and are still recruiting it. So we'll see.
0: Conversely, like like we're talking about, they can go into a kid's living room now and say, hey, look what we did our first year. We're not lying. This is what we're going to do. I feel like it's harder to sell the bandit spot just because they've been so bitten there too. Um, how do you think that's going to go? Because they can't go there and say, hey, we got a guy who got 10 sacks and we got a guy who got six that's what you can do in this defense. Um, but it's not because they can't do it. It's because they haven't done it. How is that recruiting going?
1: Well, I think that's another spot where Carr could fit in. Uh, I'm curious how where they go, because we've seen it so far this year, is you have all the they, – they've put Pooler out there, kind of a true defensive end. They've had Qualls, who was linebacker, then defensive end, then back to Bandit. They had Cowan out there, who was – definitively a linebacker um so i feel like it there's some versatility there and they can put different body types different player types in that position depending on the play call uh depending on the setup for that the situations so lanell Carr is one that could fit there Taurus simmons is a guy that i'm really interested in because he is simply one of those kind of freak Athletes, he reminds me a lot of Jarrett Bartlett, and I don't know if it's because you know they're they're both from Georgia and they're both, but they're both kind of listed as a DN slash linebacker. They're tall, they're skinny, but a little bit muscular, and they're fast as can be. um And, and so I'm, I I want to see how he develops because he's really skinny. Bartlett had some build to him, and you've seen Bartlett in person. You know, yeah. you know, we saw him the summer even before he got started in the weight training program. Uh, he was thick. Um, but Simmons is a little skinnier, but you watch his tape and and what he's done so far this year. And he just gets on the edge and he goes and he makes plays. He gets tackles for loss. He gets negative plays. And that's big with this coaching staff, uh, something they look at. So I think he's someone that could also fit in there, but be entirely different than Linnell Carr.
0: Bartlett interests me because he was fast tracked to play this year and he got hurt right away in camp. They liked him and thought that he had a chance to do something, um, Mike or Bandit. And those are similar enough that as a true freshman, it's great to learn it because you can probably do one or the other if you learn early. Um, And you just let it filter out over time. He got hurt. And then, oh, I don't know. I'm very suspicious all of a sudden. <laughs> and Neil Brown went over a number of players that they might need. And actually, he was asked and he, he didn't seem entirely comfortable to it. And then suddenly he forgot a whole bunch of people. And oh, I can't remember who it is. And people kept pressing him and throwing out names. Oh, Thornton. Oh, yeah, you'll see Thornton. And he never mentioned Bartlett. And then finally someone poked up and said, what about Bartlett? And a little cat and canary for me. Um, like, I, I just wonder if we see him sooner than later. I don't think he's that they want to red him. It doesn't make sense to, but man, if you need a bandit sometime soon, I'd be stunned if we don't see him before long. That's a spot they're going to get because who do they play a bandit now? Uh, Qualls has, has not really been like that outside five technique, nine technique kind of guy. He's played a lot in the middle and has been a better rusher through the middle. Uh, Cowan was, I think was probably getting his feet beneath them, and then now you're talking. Are we was Zach sandwich again. That didn't really work. Man. Diamante Lindsay didn't even play last game. Um, they're they're kind of scraping the barrel there.
1: Man, I like tinfoil hat, Mike. I could be down for this. Let's get the conspiracy theories going. So they're, they're out to get you, big the deep state. The deep state
0: in Morgantown. It's getting Mike. It's come to my attention every so often, that maybe I'm not too far off on this, too. Um, so I don't know if 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 things do get back on track here and they get some people together, they're going to have to scrape together three more wins. And let's assume that Kendall and Washington aren't long term people. And then pretty much after that, everybody's pretty much out for the rest of the way. Maybe Sean Ryan comes back, maybe not, but I don't think that's a, a huge difference maker, but if you get those two guys back and you're healthy moving forward, and that sounds like it'll happen eventually, you got to find three out of your next um, six games, which probably means three out of the final five. Um, I have my opinions here. Uh, Ones you got to get and ones you can't lose. Um, Where do you think they get three more?
1: I don't. Is that an answer?
0: He is at cm Anderson two four seven it's the situation we're in right now though because um, it, for for various reasons personnel development wise they're just not where they need to be and if they were four and two it might be different but I'm looking at where do they get their fourth one I don't think that there's a fifty fifty game in there that went the wrong way on them I think they deserve to win the games they've won and I think they deserve to lose the games they lost and I know they were close in both those games but um, those teams that Pulled away from them, Texas and Iowa State. Just have better rosters and better situations right now. Um, but you go on the road to Baylor. A long week, that's good. But still, you're home against Texas Tech, which seems kind of perky all of a sudden. You go to Kansas State, which is just a miserable road trip and it's not a fun place to play. It's probably going to be spitting rain at about 30 degrees and gray if I know Manhattan, Kansas. Oklahoma State, proficient scoring. And then you go at TCU. Uh, on a short week, I believe that's a Friday game, right? After Thanksgiving. So you don't even get ample time there. You're distracted. Now you can do a lot more practice that week as a fall break. So you can exceed 20 hours, but like, you're not doing more football practice stuff because it's the final game of the season. You just, you can't afford to do that. Um, And then who knows, you know, what their depth chart looked like by then too, but uh, you don't see three wins in there and I wouldn't be surprised if it went two and four, but I certainly think they're capable of getting three because those final four, They're not 50-50 games, but 50% are at home, 50% are on the road, and one of those two road games is winnable.
1: I think in the preseason, I said five and seven, and I had it coming down to those last few games. And I think Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas State, the last five, I had every single one of those going one way or the other in single digits, like less than 10 points, win or lose. And I only had West Virginia win in two of those, and they got to five and seven. But the three losses were all by two, seven, and nine in my prediction. So I, I think any one of those games they could win, especially if they get a couple guys back from injury, like Kendall and Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could think they could lose every single one of them too. So I I think two and three, two and four down the stretches would be my pick at the moment. Uh, three and three would be next. So. It, it it could get interesting. I think we're gonna coaches are gonna kinda of be putting a hard spot here. And if they can pull something off, go three and three and three and get bowl eligible or do something just stupid crazy like four and two. Um you know, you gotta be talking about how great of a, a coaching job that was this season.
0: Yeah. I don't wanna put everything on the Baylor game, but you're probably gonna be as close to full strength after that as you have been in a while. Um even if Kendall and Washington don't play, they're going to have a lot of time to get ready for that game. So let's assume that they're back. You got your 11s pretty much situated. Um, you got a long week. Baylor is probably going to be 7-0. and So things are going to be riding high. That's a game for them to be kind of caught looking at how good they are. Um, Baylor plays at Oklahoma State Saturday. So they might be spoiled. Who knows? But, like, if they get that one, now you're back even. And you just got to play 500 the rest of the way which you already are 500 so that feels like a big game to me and you hate to say wow you got to win against a ranked undefeated team but like man if they don't get that they got to win three out of four (laughs) against teams that are going (laughs) to be scratching to get to six wins too and you know probably have better rosters and and certainly better offenses for two and maybe three of those teams that's a grind
1: it is Uh, but like i said i I think once they get past oklahoma the those last four games, they, once they get past Baylor, excuse me, they'll have already played the top four teams in the league. So then you, you, it's not easier. Big 12 is solid this year. I think four top 25-ish teams. and uh, But then West Virginia will be through that. And I don't think West Virginia is a top 25 team, but they are in the mix with these other teams. So they need to get in there and try to win two, three. Bowl eligible would be nice.
0: I'm going to tell everybody a secret. You and I are doing this podcast on Tuesday afternoon. It is 3.44. Uh-oh. Freaking news, Chris. Uh-oh.
1: What is Kevin it? Oh, Bush Kevin Bush is, is in the, the portal.
0: portal. You got <laughs> the same message? I did. Ah. So that's official. Um, that was, that was going to happen. It just happened while we were here. So, terrific. Um, so I'm going to go do some work, I guess. Mm. And also, Bob Herzl told me if we went longer than 30 minutes, he wasn't listening. So... <laughs> He didn't hear this part, but I'm glad he listened. So, um, yeah, Anything well, else you want to tease for what's coming, or you want to put a cherry on top of this episode?
1: Well, first, I, I want to tell Bob to come post on the message board. He, mm. I keep seeing tweeting at me, tweeting at you. Tell him to come bring it to the message board. Get, get the, the fan base rolled up.
0: It was um, great when he was asking Neil Browns about Hurts today, <laughs> and I thought like he was talking about himself. Cause that's his nickname is hurts. And then I realized he was talking about Jalen hurts. And I think Neil Brown was confused for a second too. Like, is this guy going third person on me?
1: I would, I would dig it. It was great. Um, <laughs> coming up this week. Uh, I got, I, man, I've already got a lot of this stuff ready to roll. Cause yeah. I caught up with the Oklahoma guys. We got an insider Q and a both uh, written with Colin Kennedy podcast with Joey Helmer from OU insider I'll have five things you need to know about Oklahoma, an update with a four-star tight end who got a WVU offer, uh, two other visitors from this past weekend, including a 2021 quarter- quarterback and a Juco cornerback who got a new offer and is already looking into an official visit to West Virginia the first week of December. So um, look for uh, you know pretty loaded kind of week here uh, with recruiting news and other stuff as well. Kinda, we're, we're starting a new... Uh, evening article as well. I know a lot of people have been asking for something going up in the evening for their evening reading. Got you covered.
0: You're not going to brag about your best bets.
1: Uh, I don't know what happened last week. <laughs> uh, I went back and looked, man. It was, it was brutal. This is why I, they should just like have me on the phone line on those 1 800 gambler uh, things <laughs> that people just call me and I can tell them about, you know, one admittedly blown call from the Big 12 conference, uh, refs. And one monumental upset by South Carolina at Georgia resulted in an eight hundred and fifty dollar swing and And I'm losing again
0: My dog's very upset, as you can tell, yes she's talking about your it, dog picks, of course. <laughs> I thought uh,
1: Hertz will send him over there, tell you to shut up. It's been 30 minutes. It's Time been 30. To go.
0: We should definitely go. Hey, I got something that'll be kind of cool this morning um, coming up after this. Uh, Darius Stills made a great play where he just bludgeoned on offensive linemen. I mean, just knocked him over, like left hand to the head, knocked him over. And it turns out it was a really bad play, and I didn't think so. I was trying to figure out, you know, hey, where did he learn that? Because he has like one or two of these, wow, like individual plays every game. And I asked Jordan Leslie about it, and he was like, yeah, I remember that play. That was a bad play. And I was like, yeah, man, he's a bad man. And he's like, no, no, that was not good football. <laughs> like, that's what I thought he meant by bad. And they both explained it to me. And it's it's kind of interesting about, one, how ruthless football is, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh-huh. also, like, where, where Sills is and where he still has to go to. So that and then we'll kind of get into some just, like, typical news cycle stuff. Because uh, not a very chatty, not a very uh, prolific week of football interviews over there today. Excuse me, <laughs> yesterday. We'll we'll pull the curtain back closed pretend it's Tuesday still. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll wrap it up here. My apologies to Hertz. We'll get him on here one day. But uh, that's it for this time. I will see you next time. I am Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. This is our best episode ever.